0: In today's show, we're looking back at the 2020-2021 season of the Cleveland Cavaliers, Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd, and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore b and on Instagram at LockedonFantasyBasketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app, now available on the iOS and Android app store, and find one of our locked on rooms. Locker Room is changing the way that we talk sports. Let's talk sports, let's talk Cleveland Cavaliers sports to be more precise, and let's get into what their season looked like uh, looked like right here. They were 22 and 50. They lost the coin toss with the Thunder. So they move from the four slot down to the five slot. Again, that doesn't change the lottery odds. What it means, though, is that when um, yeah the lottery is said and done, if they didn't move up, then they end up one spot behind the Thunder in that position. They, like the Thunder, were significantly worse than their record would attest, an expected win loss of 18 and 54, so some wins above expectations there. They were 28th in offense and 25th in defense, which is obviously pretty horrible. They played at a really slow play, uh, pace, 25th, and in terms of draft picks, they just have that one draft pick, pick number five, which you know, obviously may not end up being pick number five. It might be a top four pick, or it might slide down quite a bit, down to pick eight or pick nine in this uh, in this draft. So no second rounders, no additional first round picks. Things don't look particularly rosy for this Cavs team. I reckon that's a pretty fair assessment. They've still got um, guys like Kevin Love under contract for two more years at $60 million combined. And he is already 32, 33. does he just turn 33? No, he's about to turn 33. Uh, that is a horrendous contract. Things, yeah, they're not looking particularly good. And it could change. They get the number one pick, number two pick in this draft. And things really do uh, move forward for them. But, you know, this slides down to pick seven, pick eight. Not in a great spot. Because, you know, the players they got, they're okay. But there's no, you know, no real budding, I don't think, superstar on this squad. Let's have a look at the free agency situation. The big one they have to deal with is Jarrett Allen, who's a restricted free agent. They will bring him back almost no doubt. He will command, I would expect, $20 million a year. Um, and you might think that's an overpay, and I understand that. He played very well after coming across and then had a concussion and struggled after that. Now, how much of that is to do with the effects of that concussion? I don't know. I'm not going to discount that impact. It has to have some sort of impact, I would imagine. But... They need to bring him back. They need to get him in playing 31, 32 minutes a night, and they need to you know, see what he can provide. He's just turned 23, so you know, I think a four-year, $80 million contract, while they're, they're under some real salary cap stress, for sure, um, they are in a position where that they, they can't afford not to bring him in. They made a great move to get him, for sure. There's, there's no doubt that bringing him in was a fantastic move in that James Harden deal, just sort of chiming in and goes, oh, we'll take someone. We'll take someone if you don't mind. Um, and they got a real bargain on that one. But you know, that that is a lot of money. And then you're going to have the, um, Colin Sexton is extension eligible in the offseason as well. So whether they commit to that remains to be seen. Um, and that will make things pretty interesting. Now, Alan's... Restricted cap hold is 11 million. He's going to get more than that per season, I guarantee. Maybe he only gets 18 million, 17 million, but he's getting more than that 11 million. And they don't have much in terms of coming off the books. Matt Dallavadova is an unrestricted free agent. And that's really it. None of the other contracts which are big are coming off the books here. You've got you know, Damian Dotson's $2 million, which is non-guaranteed. Dean Wade's, Lamar Stevens, Fionde Kabangele, they're all non-guaranteed, but under $2 million. Isaiah Hartenstein's got a $1.7 million player option, but everyone else is locked in. Two more years, $20 million for Larry Nance. One more year and $13 million for Torian Prince. Two more years, $15 million for Chetty Osman, plus another 7000000 million non-guaranteed at the end of that. Um, and then you got the the young guys like Garland and Sexton. As I said, Sexton extension eligible, and he is going to be getting you know twenty plus million a year uh, if they do sign that extension. Don't don't be surprised if that's you know four eighty five, four ninety or something like that. So that's going to really have some issues in terms of where they sit salary cap wise and locking themselves in, and with those contracts. Like that new one for Allen, like Kevin Love, like the money there of the Larry Nance of, of another $10 million, um, and the potential extension of Sexton, That's going to make it hard for them to have any impact in free agency. Plus, who's going to want to come there in free agency? They're not in the position to be pushing and making big splashes. That's probably two, three years away. Um, so they're in a spot where, again, yeah, that that cap number does drop for 22, 23. And then obviously 23, 24 is when everything's off their books. And they've hardly got anything committed to that. But you know, by then, they will have Sexton, Garland, and Allen all extended through. But that's sort of when... that I think that is the time frame, the 23-24 season, where Cleveland should be looking to you know, really push forward. Maybe they can get playoffs 22-23. That's two years from now. But 23-24 um, is the season where they should be looking to coalesce everything. You've got in prime Sexton, Garland, Allen. You'll have the hopefully top four, top three pick from this year's draft and then some other selections moving forward. And, and that's where they need to start looking at where the value can come from. Guys, Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. I just actually had one this morning. My breakfast, mint brownie flavor. What's your favorite flavor? There are nine delicious flavors available for Bilt Bar. Raspberry, coconut, salted caramel, plus the occasional limited time flavor. And if you don't know what your favorite flavor is because it's your first time with Built Bar, just get a mixed box. 18 flavors, not not true, 18 bars, nine flavors, two of each flavor. So you get to figure out which one is your favorite. And these bars don't just taste delicious. They're also healthy. Most of these bars are 17 grams of protein with just 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and only four grams of net carbs. So it's not like you are eating something that tastes disgusting just to get a healthy, healthy snack and a healthy nutritional um, uh, item into your body. You're doing the healthy stuff while also having a delicious treat. It is an absolute win-win. So go to builtbar.com, use the promo code locked fifteen, and you'll get fifteen percent off your first order. The promo code is locked fifteen for fifteen percent off at builtbar.com. Now we want to talk about our uh, internal health, and you're taking care of ourselves that way, fellas. We have to take care of ourselves on the outside as well, and that's why I'm here to tell you about. Manscaped. Support for the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. The best in below, men's below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. And Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. And we have an exclusive offer for my listeners. 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped.com, by using the promo code LOCKEDONFANTASY. Manscaped hooked me up with a bunch of their tools and formulations from their Perfect Package 3.0 kit. The lawnmower 3.0 with its advanced skin-safe technology and cutting-edge ceramic blades to reduce grooming accidents. Fantastic. The Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. Because, guys, uh, especially you in the States, uh, summer's coming up. Your your nutsack might get a little bit sweaty, a little bit... uh, a little bit on the nose, as they may say. So the Manscaped Crop Preserver is a fantastic product, plus the Crop Reviver, which is a great way to get in there to stop your balls from sweating, smelling, and sticking. They also throw in a pair of high-performance boxes and a travel shed bag to store all of your grooming goodies. So 20% off free shipping by using LockedOnFantasy at Manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code LockedOnFantasy at Manscaped.com. That is 20% off. That's a lot. With free shipping at manscaped.com, using the code LOCKEDONFANTASY, unlock your confidence, and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right, that's enough about Nutsacks. Let's talk about the Cavs again, and let's look at the Padawan, Colin Sexton. He was the 74th ranked player this season. That's pretty good. He played 60 games. He averaged 35 minutes a game, which is an absolute shitload. He had 35 fantasy points, which was good for 53rd. He was 74th in category leagues, and the ADP was 97. Now, this is a guy that I've been critical of in the past for sure, especially from a fantasy perspective because of his inability to do much else apart from score. And I'm still not really sure where I sit with Colin Sexton as a long-term NBA player prospect. Um, I, I, I don't. I don't know. I'm still. Um, I'm still on the fence. There is absolutely no denying that he is a very good scorer, a really good scorer. He averaged 24 points per game, and he does it efficiently. 57% true shooting, but that true shooting was much higher earlier in the year, and it did start to drop off. 48 from the field, 82 from the line, 37 from three. He still doesn't take anywhere near enough threes. 4.4 threes per 38. Sorry, not even per 38. 4.4 threes per game. Is not very much at all. His mid-range shooting was pretty good, forty-four percent. That's a career best for him in these three years. But he doesn't rebound. He's in the first percentile for defensive rebounding. And that backcourt of Garland and Sexton is horrendous at rebounding, like absolutely horrible. His assist rate did improve, but it's still. He's, he's not a point guard. He's a shooting guard. But his assist rate did improve. He doesn't get steals really. He doesn't get blocks. His uh, EPM was a negative zero point six. It's not a particularly great number. His Raptor um, was negative two point four because of defensive deficiencies, which again is an issue in in that backcourt, especially. His LeBron was a negative one point one three. That's a tier six problem or tier six player. That's not very good. He averaged, I should do do this: twenty four points, three rebounds, four point four assists, one steal, one point six triples. That's that's okay. Look, that's pretty good. But the way he was able to have moments of being a top 50 player, which he did during the season, was by shooting 50-plus percent from the field. The low volume of threes is a concern. 1.6 is not very much. It's actually well below average in the NBA. Well, for you know uh, a, a sample size of fantasy contributors. The steals, they're marginally above average. The rebounds are really poor. And the assists are okay, but still not particularly good. The free throws are great, and he got to the line a lot. That was a huge, huge win for Colin Sexton this season. But I look at this team, and I see Sexton, and I see Garland, and then I see the top of the draft. They pick one. They pick two. They pick three. Look, one, they pick Cunningham, who can fit with Sexton and Garland. Okay. I probably want one of those guys off the court, but okay. Evan Mobley, they get it too. Fine. Fantastic pick. It complicates things with Jarrett Allen. A little bit, but maybe Mobley can play the four. I think he's better at the five. But then you get to green. You get to Suggs at three and four. And do you not pick those because you've got Sexton and Garland? I don't think so. And I know that they doubled up with taking Sexton and then going back and taking Garland. Do they go again? But if you're Kobe Altman, which you're not, unless you are. If you are, hi, Kobe. Thanks for listening. If you're Kobe Altman, do you go while our backcourt is set? It is Sexton and Garland, and that is going to lead us to high-level playoff success. I think if you're going to be honest with yourself, the answer to that is no. Are they are they solid players? Have they taken steps forward every year? Yeah, yeah, they have. Absolutely. But does it preclude me from taking a top-three draft talent who is a better prospect than both of those guys and could develop into the best player out of that group? No, I don't think you do. And that that's an issue. Sexton's usage was 31%. That's really high, quite obviously. I don't know whether you want your team to have him having that level of usage as you move forward. So while I can look at this and go, you know, the three-point shooting, not the percentage, but the attempts might improve. I'm not convinced on that. I am looking at the usage and going, I don't think that he remains a 31 usage guy through his career, which does hurt his overall fantasy value. Can he be a top 50 guy? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Will he continue to push into top 30, top 20? I'm not as convinced with that. Let's talk Larry Nance, who is a frustrating player for sure, especially with the way the Cavs use him. He played only 35 games, 31 minutes a night, which is a lot for Nance. We don't normally say that. Nine points, 1.23s, almost seven boards, three assists, 1.7 steals, 47 and 61, including 36% from three on low volume. He averaged 27 fantasy points, which is outside the top 100, but 84th in category leagues, which is an ADP of 124 was fine. But we saw this, and we've seen it so many times. He, he gets injured. But when they play a healthy Kevin Love next to Jarrett Allen, or in the past, Andre Drummond, Nance would play 25 minutes off the bench, and he'd be useless. It helped that Kevin Love played two games and then missed three months with a calf injury. And then Andre Drummond didn't play for a big chunk of time. And then it was Allen and Nance, and then Nance himself got hurt. That helped overall Nance's production. He's 28. He absolutely does not fit with this team in terms of timeline, but he is the leader of this team. Now, you can say Sexton's the best player, or you can tell me Allen's the best prospect, or Garland's going to be the star, whatever. Nance is this team's leader. So that is the value that he has, which means that he probably sticks around, and it means that he probably gets minutes in the rotation, despite being a guy that, if they were going to look at it from a purely basketball perspective, on-court production, he's not quite there. His value in category leagues comes almost exclusively from those high steal numbers, 1.7 per game, which is 97th percentile in the NBA. He had a a really good positive EPM defensively. And overall, his advanced numbers were were strong as well. His Raptor defensive numbers were great. His Raptor total number was pretty good. He was all right in his LeBron as well, negative 0.07. But offensively, he's just such a negative, I think. He has improved in his passing for sure. But... Where, where does it make sense on this team? And I'm not really sure where that is. Small ball center, maybe. But with Allen and, and maybe a Mobley coming in, Hartenstein showing some things, I, I don't really know. To me, at this point, he's not a guy that I really draft unless we get clarity on Kevin Love. And I do not trust Kevin Love for a second for next year at all. But there are a lot of offseason moves here that might, be, might lead me to be skeptical on Larry Nance, plus his injuries. But if Nance plays 30 a night, He's a top 100 guy. But we need love to be out. And we need Nance to not get hurt. And we need no other players to come into that position for that to be realistic. And maybe that isn't just, that's just not something that's going to happen, potentially. This is the next guy that I'm most excited to talk about. That's Darius Garland. To be honest with Darius Garland, he was bad last year. But there were a lot of factors with that. He came in after playing five games in college. And had a knee injury. Sucked, didn't play Summer League, had whatever foolishness happened with John Beeline as the coach last year for the Cavs. He, he was just flat out bad. He played 31 minutes, but he was outside the top 200 for fantasy, averaged 12, 2, and 4. He shot 40 from the field and 36 from the line on a 20% usage. This year, he was the 84th ranked player. He averaged 17, 2, and 6. Actually, it was 84th even, correct? No, 85th, sorry. He was 78th in points leagues. He played 33 minutes, 17, 2, and 6. He averaged 1.2 steals, which is a big jump up. He went from a true shooting of 50% to 55%, so still room to improve. But over the last two months is where I'm even more impressed. 42nd ranked player, 19, 3, and 7. 1.4 steals, 58 true shooting on 26 usage. I think, I think he's the best prospect on this team. I think he's better than Darry, uh, than Colin Sexton. He's 21. He's It's only a year younger than Sexton, but he's only 21. I think that he can, maybe he tops out as a 20 point per game player, but his ability to up his usage, up his efficiency, improve his passing and improve his defense, which which is still not very good, but improve his defense. He is the guy that if I'm building around one of those two guys, and this might be controversial to plenty of you, he's the guy that I'm building around. 40% three-point shooting, very good assist numbers, solid steal numbers. Doesn't finish at the rim well, really, at all. 56% is not particularly good. True shooting, 55 is okay. His advanced numbers are all right without being very good. Negative 1.2 wrapped up. But again, that, that's better than Colin Sexton. His LeBron was uh, basically the same as Sexton, just a little bit below, 1.2, 1.13. And his EPM is about the same as well. The problem with these two guys together is size and absolutely no ability to rebound. Both guys in the first percentile for defensive rebounding. 3.1 rebounds for Sexton, 2.4 for Garland. That is horrendous. Now, I know they played with Kevin Love and they played with Andre Drummond, two big rebounders, but it hasn't really changed depending on who's in or who's out. They just can't do it. Garland, to me, is the guy that I build around. He is the guy that has top 30 upside out of him and Sexton, in my opinion. Um, is best category already, we've got assists. 6.1, that could... Top 7.5, easy. 20 points, 3 boards, 2.5 threes, 7.5 assists, 1.5 steals, 47, 86, 40% from 3. Like, they are realistic numbers for Darius Garland, which puts him in the top 30. Is that a guarantee? Yeah, of course not. And Sexton could easily be better than him, easily. But Garland was a guy that I was pretty keen on to get at that ADP of 146, a guy that I drafted in a lot of last picks. Just, I didn't know he'd be this good. I had no idea. You couldn't have predicted that he'd improve this much and look this much better. But I thought, you've got to give him the chance. Starting point guard who plays 30 minutes a night who had an interrupted rookie season, you've got to give him that chance. And it turned out pretty well. Um, And I'm pretty big on him being a guy. Now, I don't know where he'll be drafted next year, but top 50 is not outrageous to me. He probably won't be drafted there, and I almost wouldn't draft him there. But finishing top 50 seems like a, a really, really large possibility. So I'd be pretty excited about uh, getting him in drafts and see what, seeing what happens. Rockauto.com. That is the place where you go to buy parts for your car. Why would you go to your local, local chain store like an Advance, for example? They have the Delphi FG1456 fuel pump assembly for those of you who know your Delphi products for a 2010 Honda Odyssey. It's $353.99 in advance. At Rock Auto, it's $216.79. That is a whopping difference. That's almost 50% price difference. Because at rockauto.com, the prices are always reliably low, and they are the same for everybody from professionals to do it yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NBA playoffs are in full swing, and you can track all of that action at Bet Online. So get the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs Major League Baseball, the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, and all of your UFC action. Before the next tip off, head to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. And speaking of sign up bonuses, if you use our promo code LOCKEDON, you can sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on that first deposit. Bet Online are your online sportsbook experts. Let's get into the rest of the players now on the Cavs. Jarrett Allen played 63 games. He averaged almost 30 minutes a game. Remember, he did start the season for the Nets. He came off the bench and then was pushed into the starting lineup, rightfully so, pretty quickly. And when he came to Cleveland, he put up some absolute monster numbers. Then he got concussed, and then things went pretty pear-shaped. But to be to be honest, they'd started to go a little bit pear-shaped a, little, a bit before the concussion, but they really dropped off at the end of the year. In terms of where he sits, you know, 32 fantasy points, that's 75th. 90th in category leagues. His best category is his 10 boards. He doesn't hit threes. He averaged 13 and 10 with 1.4 blocks on 62%. So some really bright green numbers there. His rebounds, his blocks, and his field goals. The free throws were a problem all year. He hit just 70% there. He doesn't get steals. He doesn't get assists. He doesn't hit threes. He's not going to be a high usage player, especially on a team with Sexton Garland love and you know, first round draft pick. Um, but the way that he dropped off, 155th ranked player over the last month with the blocks disappearing, half his block rate, his field goals, absolutely atrophying down to 52%. It's going to leave a sour taste in people's mouths. He was drafted 107th and he beat that number. With how he played, there will be people, the people that had Jarrett Allen will be like, never again. Not drafting him again, he's a bum, He's overrated people will think that. I look at this as a great opportunity. I look at, he's 23. Right? He's got 3 to 4 more years till he hits his prime. So if his ADP is outside the top 100, I buy it every day of the week. I buy him in dynasty leagues at an appropriate price because 12 and 10 with 1.4 blocks and 62% is fine. That goes to 15 and 11 in 32 minutes with 1.6 blocks on the same percentage, and improving the free throws again, which I think is a possibility. Top 70 pretty easy there, I think. Maybe higher. But you're in a real bargain position with him. Now, that could obviously change. Evan Mobley comes in, and Allen is in a real weird spot. The Cavs don't bring him back, and he goes to another team and doesn't have quite as good of an opportunity. Love to see him in Toronto, to be honest. Um, But I really like what Allen can do. Advanced numbers do like him, plus one EPM. True shooting of 66% is really good. Led the team in Raptor at 1.2. He's a very strong defender. He was up the top in LeBron as well. There was got The, the three guys ahead of him were Love, Hartenstein, and, and uh, Drummond, who obviously didn't end the season there. But Allen put up some good numbers, and defensively, he was really strong again. Um, I think that late-season late swoon helps in terms of where we can draft him next year. Kevin Love. Oh, man. 25 games, 25 minutes. He averaged 26 or 25. Let's go with the 25 theme. 25.55 fantasy points. It's 124th. And in category, he's 141st. 78 ADP was shit ass. Now, he was a guy that I was I was into by uh, drafting in those last, you know, not last, those late mid picks. And it obviously, was a horrible decision. He averaged 12 points on 41% shooting. He did have seven boards, but of course, there's no steals, no blocks. The assists never eventuated, which we thought he could push to four on this team that did lack some playmaking. And he just couldn't stay healthy. He couldn't stay engaged. A lot of questions um, asking about Kevin Love and does he get traded? How do the Cavs get off him? Unless there's a stupid team out there, they cannot get off him unless they dump assets. And I don't really see the point of that for this Cavs team. They just need the assets. So unfortunately, Love's going to be hanging around this team unless he says, look, I'm owed $60 million, just pay me $5 million and get me out of here, which is a wild move. But he's a guy that does prioritize mental health. We know that. And if his mental health is in such a precarious state in Cleveland that he says, I've made $200 million or whatever it is in my career, like, I just need to get out of here. I could see that happening. I could see him doing like a Blake Griffin style buyout from Detroit and just saying, like, just get me out of here which is great for the Cavs if, if that's the case, but they're not buying out all $60 million of this contract or even $30 million. I, I wouldn't have thought. It doesn't make any sense for them to do that. So his future is really precarious. Do we ever think he's getting back into the top 100? No, no, no no way. I don't think so. The shooting's not there. The interest isn't there. The body's not right. He's old. It's just not going to happen. I, I don't believe, um, which is sad because he was a guy that maybe how much of a study he was. He's a top five fantasy player for years. This was the worst year of his career, I would say. Um, His LeBron was still pretty positive. Defensively and offensively, it was good. His Raptor wasn't quite as good, and his EPM was all right. But, yeah, he did have some... um, He had some struggles, obviously. Played two games and then didn't come back until, like, April, really, full-time. And and had some really solid games uh, for a little stretch there. But I would suggest that Kevin Love's time as being an impactful fantasy guy is over. The artist formerly known as Torian Prince, 41 games, 22 minutes. Averaged 19 points outside the top 215 in both categories and points leagues. His best category was his free throws at 85.5%. 40 from the field, he's just a very bad shooter in general. But interestingly, he hit 40% from three and 40% from two. Hmm. One and a half threes a game, but no steals. Blocks were okay. Low rebounds, low assists, low scoring, 22 minutes. Got hurt again, ankle injury ended his year. Um, he's one of those players again that people will, will give multiple chances to. I remember last season, 1920, before the year, when he went to Brooklyn. Oh man, Torian Prince, I'm in, I'm drafting him top 100. And I was like, no, I don't think so. Uh, and that's because he had like a couple of games in the preseason where he shot 75% from three. And then this year, when he was traded from Brooklyn to Cleveland oh man, he's going to get so many minutes. He's going to just thrive there. He's a guy that I'm picking up. And again, I was pretty much like, no. He had that one really good stretch at the end of a season in Atlanta, then was forced into a larger role the following year, shit the bed, and has been bad ever since. He is a useful rotation NBA player, but that's really about it. Doesn't finish well at the rim. 47% is a horrendous number. His mid-range shooting is terrible. Not a good defender, despite giving the impression of being a good defender. He's got the dreadlock effect, where if you run out there and you act super fast and your hair flies around, it makes it look like you're doing better defending than you are, almost like a Russell Westbrook, although he doesn't have the, the dreadlocks, obviously, but just very fast twitch movements make you act like you seem like you're a good defender. And Prince has that, you know, I, I'm, my hair's flying all over the place, so I'm, I must be impacting things. It is not a good defender. And he struggles offensively. So I don't really know what he's bringing that's positive. I don't have much faith for Torian Prince, to be honest. Let's look at Chetty Osman, who literally was the worst player in, or one of the worst players in the NBA at the beginning of the year. He still somehow played fifty nine games and twenty six minutes a night, but he he was taken out of the rotation at one point and injuries forced him back in. Twenty one fantasy points, top two hundred, that is. Two thirty sixth in category leagues. But what he was really able to do, he was drafted, hundred and thirty eighth in some leagues, amazingly. What he was able to do is at the end when Garland and then Sexton got hurt, he came back in, his usage went up, his minutes went through the roof, he handled the ball a lot, and it worked okay. Now, the shooting is is just piss poor. 37 from the field, 31 from three. He averaged only 0.9 steals, but the three assists and 10 points is what gave him any semblance of usefulness this season. But we have to remember that before the end of the year, like, he really, really struggled. His advanced numbers are fairly poor. His EPM is terrible. His LeBron is really bad as well. His Raptor is negative on both offensive and defensive. Negative 3.3 is is quite poor. And with the potential of another wing coming in, maybe a Jonathan Kaminga, with the uh, presence of Isaac Okoro, there's no future for him on this team as any sort of long-term prospect. He's got $15 million guaranteed left for two more years, so he's going to be around. He's not particularly old. He's 26, but he's ha- he had his opportunity. And he's one of those guys when you talk about fantasy, and you look at him and you go, this is the season for Chetty Osman. Everyone's out. No one's there. He's going to be the starter. They're going to give him minutes. And he couldn't succeed in that role. So the, he, it's never going to happen again for him in that situation. And I think that's exactly where we are here for Chetty Osman. Let's talk Isaac Okoro, who played 67 games, almost every game. 32 minutes, so minutes weren't a problem, but production was. Yahoo points, 19 per game. Category leagues, 267th. His best category was steals, and it was under one a game. His worst category was rebounds. And again, you put Sexton, Garland, and Okoro out there, and none of them can rebound. That's a real issue. 42% shooting for Okoro, 73 from the line. He hit 29% of his threes. Um. Now, he had some moments at the end of the year where people were getting excited about him. He had this six-game stretch of double-digit scoring, which was preceded by another six-game stretch. So 12 out of his last 13 games, he scored in double digits, and that there is no denying that. The problem is is he had one block in his last 20 games. He steals. He had three blocks in his last 10 games, or three steals in his last 10 games. He did have some decent rebounding games, but remember, these were games where Sexton was banged up, where Garland was out, where Love was out, where Nance was out and yeah he he showed improvement for sure 20% usage plus in five straight games to end the year efficiency never hit over 43% in those games his true shooting never went over 51 in those games so that was a real problem but he was able to make out with some sexy lines 22 10 and 4 15 6 and 6 17 6 and 5 the advanced stuff hated him this year like it wasn't it didn't look good at all in most cases. Negative 3.6 EPM is really bad. Negative 4.3 Raptor is bad. Um, negative 3.57 LeBron is, is honestly horrible. But he is a rookie, obviously, who is just 20 years of age. So he is going to improve. The, the, the query I have with him is, again, he's a guy that when he came in from college, the fantasy stats translated horribly. Great defender, but... Shooting is bad, good passer, but assist numbers are bad, doesn't rebound, doesn't get steals, doesn't get blocks, and unfortunately, all of those things happened in the NBA in his first year. The improvement in, in usage and scoring was really key at the end of the year, but there is context to that. Again, Garland out, Sexton out at times, Love out, Nance out. Bunch of guys injured playing alongside Broderick Thomas and Dean Wade and Fionda Cabangale down the stretch. And he put up some good numbers. There's no doubt in that. And I expect the 42% shooting to jump considerably next year. But what I need from him is the assist to go to three a game, the steals to go to 1.5 a game, the scoring to go from you know, 9.6 up to 14 a game, which I think is an absolute possibility. And he is going to be a draftable player. But how high he gets drafted is going to be very, very interesting. And there are others around, in in the fantasy industry specifically, who have much higher opinions on him than me. And that's fine. I could be very wrong on it. They could be wrong too. I just do not see top, I'll I'll say top 30, no way. I don't see top 50, top 70, I can see him getting there. But there are a lot of holes there. The defensive lack, the efficiency lack, the rebound lack, the assist lack, the three-point volume lack. It's all, and and efficiency lack is a real problem. But in saying that, again, we look at the end of the year. He took 17 threes in his last two games. He averaged five three-point attempts over the last 12 games. And that's much better than the 3.2 he averaged for, to begin the year. But again, it's because so many players were out. Was it because he had more confidence in his shot? I don't think so, because he shot 27% from three during that time. So, uh, some of it is just you know, opportunity arising for him in that time and, you are know, taking advantage of it by taking the shots, but not necessarily making them. He'll be better than 266 next season. Don't worry about that. He'll be a top 200 player, probably top 150, maybe top 100. He'll be better. But I don't have as high a hopes on him as others do. And we don't, we just don't know. I could be very wrong on that. He could turn into Jimmy Butler, Chris Middleton. He could turn into those guys as perspective, Perennial top 30 players. And if you have a wing who's got really good defensive instincts, and he does, um, who shows some proclivity to pass, and then improves his shot, there's a lot of value in that. So I'm absolutely not writing him off at all. I actually think that the building blocks are there, but we also have to be a little bit careful about reading into the end of the season. Let's look at Dean Wade, who and I had some moments. He's 24. He averaged 19 minutes in 63 games. Six points, three and a half boards, 43 and 77. He played well when he played a power forward. When they tried to shoehorn him in at the three, it went horribly. But Larry Nance, Kevin Love, they're your power forwards. And other players can easily come in and be significantly better than Wade. He's, you know, advanced numbers wouldn't tell me that he's a guy that you need to be you know, hugely prioritizing. Nothing there makes me go, oh, that's great. LeBron, EPM, Raptor are all pretty low. He had some moments in fantasy with injuries for sure, but he just goes back to the back burner for next year. Don't know why Yahoo lists him as a point guard, but he is a 6'10 power forward uh, slash center. I mean, and the Cavs here you know, muddled it up by playing with small forward as well. I don't really have huge hope for him. Let's talk Dylan Windler, who was a guy that missed his entire rookie season. And I thought, should be a guy that has an opportunity to be a rotation player. But let's be fair. um, He wasn't very good. Injury ended his season again. Another knee problem. And that is a massive red flag. He's going to be 25 by next year. And he's played 31 NBA games. Five points, 44% shooting, 33 from three. One of his big you know, selling points was excellent three-point shooting, very good rebounder with some okay defensive stats. That hasn't really translated across yet. His advance numbers were pretty poor, generally across the board, negative Raptor, negative EPM, uh, negative LeBron, nothing particularly encouraging there. And the age factor is a real worry to me and the knee consistent knee problems. And I... And I don't think JB Bickerstaff's the future of this team in terms of a coach, but Bickerstaff doesn't have that trust there. Prince, Osman Okoro, all ahead of him. Nance, Love, Wade, all ahead of him. Don't I don't really... I liked him, and I thought there was an opportunity for him this year. Didn't grasp it. Uh, I'm out. I'm in on this play, though. Isaiah Hartenstein. Was waived earlier in the year by the Rockets, foolishly picked up by the Nuggets. Uh, waived again. or oh, actually traded, sorry, I think. And then ended up in Cleveland. He just turned 23, played 46 games, 12 minutes. And these numbers don't blow you away. Five points and four rebounds, but it's in 12 minutes. Yeah, per 36, you're talking 15 and 12 with 2.4 blocks on 55 and 65% from the line. He hit 33% of his threes on, albeit an absolutely minuscule amount. But this is a dude who, when he plays, shit happens. 15 fantasy points, 315th in category leagues. So they're not great, but he's in 12 minutes a game. His EPM was pretty strong. His Raptor was third on this team, or actually second on this team, behind Jarrett Allen. His LeBron was second on this team, behind Kevin Love. The problem you have there is that he's behind Kevin Love. He's behind Jarrett Allen. He remains, to me, just a name that we have to watch because the numbers that he puts up continue to be impressive. Impressive. I don't know that he can ever get a large enough role for it to make a difference. But in a deeper dynasty league, we have to pay attention to him. We don't have to pay attention to Damian Dotson. He had seven points per game in 20 minutes. He's 27 years of age. He's reputations as a shooter, and he hit 29% of his threes. He'll be pretty lucky to find himself in a rotation role for this coming season. And these last guys, he's not even any sort of interesting player we need to look at. Lamar Stevens, 40 games, 12 and a half minutes. Did okay At times, showed some flashes and probably deserves to stick around as an NBA player, but shot 16% from three. Steals and blocks are fairly low. Well, the steal's not too bad in the minutes he played. Um, And I don't really think that he's any sort of solid player. Matty Delavidova. Average four and a half assists somehow in just 17 minutes. And this is what Daly can do, but he just cannot shoot anymore. I would be pretty surprised if Daly lasts too much longer in the league. He's an unrestricted free agent. I think he's missed nearly all year with a concussion slash appendicitis issue. I think he might be out. I think his career might be done and come back to play in Australia. Broderick Thomas, Played for Houston to begin the year. Ended up in Cleveland. Nothing he did made me think that he is an NBA prospect, really. Average, you know, nine fantasy points per game, uh, four real-life points. Nothing particularly exciting there. Fiondo Cabangale is interesting in the way that Hartenstein's interesting. He's actually a little bit older than Hartenstein, but started in uh, the Clippers. Went to Sacramento, waved, then came to Cleveland. Averaged two and a half points with 0.3 blocks. But he is a guy, again, that if for some reason he's forced into a larger role, he does have some fantasy relevance. His advanced stats were pretty horrible. The true shooting of 48 is terrible for a big man. But he's just a name that we watch and we see. Now, I obviously prioritize him much less than Isaiah Hartenstein. But he is just a name that we pay some attention to because he does have some blocks and threes and rebounding ability. But I'm I'm not convinced. Let's go to your questions now on the Cavs. Ross says, to what extent is it worthwhile for the Cavs to look to move Kevin Love? Is it worth it for the Cavs to give up a pick to a team like the Thunder or the Magic to absorb the contract as they rebuild? No, because the, uh, again, it's $60 million. You have to give up a lot to get rid of him. And like, what's the point? What's it turning you into? You're giving up an asset when you're still trying to build assets and build young players. I, I don't honestly think that that's the point. If you can negotiate a Blake griffin tie buyout, sure. And it's a lot of money to be paying Kevin Love, but you don't give up assets to give off him, to to get off him. Lillard Loster says they trade Sexton. I think that's a distinct possibility. Just because, again, I'm not convinced of the Sexton-Garland pairing. You get Green, Suggs, Cunningham. Where does Sexton fit there? Sexton's role is probably best suited to being Jordan Clarkson off the bench, former Cav, Jordan Clarkson. Not 35-minute, 31-usage lead scorer on a team type player. I could be very wrong on Sexton. I just think there's too much lacking in his game to be that guy. Um, can Sexland take another step forward t- taking Trout, says Garland, yes Sexton, I'm not really sure what that step forward is but yeah, there's no reason that he can't but I'm not convinced but Darius Garland, yeah, for sure um, Leo Banagas, is a Okoro fantasy relevant in the future? I talked about that already uh, I, I, I think there is some relevancy there but I wouldn't say it's necessarily too high I know this bloke's super scare has been asking about this question in multiple pods. How do you rank their Kevin Porter Jr. trade? Now, obviously, they traded away Kevin Porter Jr. for a fake second round pick. So they got rid of him for nothing. And on the surface, we look at what Cousin Kev did in Houston and we can like roast the Cavs and say, oh, you gave away a player. Look how good he is now. But that is absolutely not what happened. Like Kevin Porter Jr. has a myriad of off-court issues. Right? Myriad. So Myriad means a lot. A varied amount. A lot. He had off-court issues. He was didn't play his full year in college at USC because of an off-court suspension. Came to Cleveland. Obviously, shit going on behind the scenes. Arrested in the off-season. Drug possession, firearm possession, I believe, as well. Came in. Didn't play for the Cavs at all for personal reasons, whatever that was. Then, have you know, chucked food at assistant coaches and the GM in the locker room because someone took his locker, which, okay, is a shit thing to do, but handle it better, my guy. And that's the story that we know. Like, what else happened there? And for a Cavs team who you know is obviously prioritising um, culture, locker rooms, personalities, and the fact that, that they got literally nothing back in trade means to me that nobody wanted Kevin Porter. Or the counterpoint to that is: is they said we really care about this guy, but. He actually hates being in this organization and there's no one here he can connect to. But you know what? John Lucas, assistant coach in Houston, can be a guy that gets through to him. Let's do what's best for this guy on a personal level to develop him as a person, to mature him, which helps bring out his basketball talent. And if we have to take an L on that, so be it. But we do it because we care about the guy. Let's send him to Houston just Houston, just take him because we want the best for him. We want we don't want him to end up in a situation where he is bankrupt or in prison or worse, dead. And I'm I am putting those words out there because I I haven't heard and that's Cleveland hasn't said that, but this is how I can see that thinking going. Is they've just said we want to look after this bloke who's got into legal trouble, firearms, firearms and drugs is now assaulting members of his you know, management team or our management and coaching staff and other players and had multiple of these issues and other stuff we don't know about. They said, dude, we just need you to get right and feel comfortable and the basketball secondary. So while it looks like a huge L to trade him, I actually think it's a massive W for the Cavs to do that as an organization to take care of this bloke when we don't know everything else that went on behind the scenes. And they were actually, I think, doing the thing that was the best for him in the long term, which might come as a cost for them, but that is a pretty admirable thing to do. Now let me know what you think about that, and maybe that takes complete bullshit. But yeah, that's how I view it. Anyway, follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the new Odyssey app on YouTube. Hit the thumbs up, drop your comments, ring my ding a a bell, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.